You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning, everybody. Children's Church, you can go. Um, There are... A lot of our kids are in the nursery right now. We've talked about this before, but I just like to mention this again. Um, we we want our kids, we want the kids in this house to know what it is to worship the Lord in complete and total freedom. And so, in the nursery, they live stream and they have the freedom to be kids in worship, right? Um, and we love that space. Uh, Melissa and Zach's daughters are uh, down there, and they administer that. They love the Lord. They love the Spirit of the Lord, and they walk in freedom with Him. And our kids, if you were to go down there while we're worshiping, it would look like chaos to an outsider. But if you stepped into it, you would see freedom in these kids as they just worship the Lord without any boundary. They just worship Him in freedom. And so we love that we get to do that. And that's, that's Melissa's vision. And so I'm just grateful for that and grateful for her. So make sure that you encourage her. Um, because she just, she loves these kids and it's just a beautiful thing. And we're just so grateful for that and that idea and uh, that revelation. And we just love what the Lord is doing. Um, also, before we go, we had our first week of school. And from what I heard, it was amazing. My kids loved it. The teachers were amazing. I, I don't know if you've walked through the halls, but they just feel lighter. They just feel lighter. They just feel like the Lord is doing a new thing in our midst. We've got kids. We've got young men that are stepping into the presence of God. We've got, uh, we've got coaches and teachers and, and role models for our kids to turn to. And they are consistent. And that's the most important thing. You know this, this consistency. Um, and they are guided by a moral code that is not of their own creation, but of the Lord's. And uh, that the Lord has given them in their pursuit of him, these men that are ministering to our young men and women and uh, the, uh, we're just so grateful for what the Lord has assembled over there. So we're going to pray and we're just going to rejoice in what the Lord is doing before we move on. Amen? amen? Okay, now wait and we'll say amen at the end too. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. You are so good, Father God. We thank you for what's taking place in those walls uh, across the street. Father God, that behind the brick and mortar will be found the spirit of the living God moving amongst the hallways and in the classroom, Father God. We believe we will, not, we will not fight for it. We just will take it with authority. We believe that that place will be a stronghold for the kingdom of heaven and nothing else in Jesus' name. We don't feel like we need to march in there and begin to, to, to fight for that authority, Father God. We just go and we occupy it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, so we just pray that you would be released in that place in Jesus' name, that we would see revival break out in classrooms, Father God. We would see hearts turn towards one another, Father God, that as we look at that school, we would see the presence of God making his appeal in and through us in Jesus' name. Lord, that we would see a building that looks more like the kingdom of God than it does a public school in the state of Texas. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you for the excitement that is around our school, Lord God. And we just just thank you that you are working on this community's behalf that all we have to do is trust in the goodness of God. Lord, and I I just thank you for those in here that that have introduced their children to the Spirit of God and then released them Monday through Friday into that building. Father God, we believe, we believe that all things are made for Him and through Him and that those that carry the Spirit of God into that place as others encounter it will be changed in Jesus' name. 
Father God, I pray that a yearning would begin to rise up in our young people. A yearning for the presence of God. A yearning for all that they are made for. And all that they are made for is you in Jesus' name. We love you and we thank you. Continue to do what only you can do, Father God. And blow us away as you do each and every day. We love you and we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, Well, church, the Lord... Is, is doing a work of restoration in our cities. There, there is no doubt about it. He is doing a work of restoration. Um, he is restoring us to where He would have us be, not where we would have us be. Re- remember, we talked about restoration, the world's standard of restoration. If you're taking an old car and you restore it, you restore it back to its beginning point, its origin point. But when the Lord restores, He does not bring you back to the starting line. He places you back in the lead where you meant to be. He places you back in the place that you would be as if you had never lived a day without Him. As if you had walked with Him each and every moment of every day. And we're seeing that in our city. And He said He was going to start this work of restoration in Sundown, Texas through relationships. And then last week we talked about how He's doing it through relationships. And it's through forgiveness. He is restoring And we have been called to step into forgiveness and cast out all unforgiveness that dwells in us. That it would exist in us no more. Because at the end of the day, it only hurts you. To carry unforgiveness will place you in a position where you will become stagnant. And if you are stagnant, you die. We know this to be true. It will not, you cannot step into the newness of God, the new things He has for you. You are made for an ever increasing glory from one degree of glory to the next, and you cannot step into the next degree of glory meant for you carrying dead things. And unforgiveness is a dead thing. And you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Amen? So we step into forgiveness. We had this revelation, and we had this revelation last week. We talked about it, but I had this revelation as I was just reflecting Monday on, on what the Lord was doing in church and Uh, Just before we move on, before we get into the Word today, and it really doesn't have anything to do with the Word, it's just a continuation of last week. Had this revelation that we need to address before moving past. Uh, Again, we talked about last week forgiving others, but I sense, and the Lord revealed this to me, I sense that there is also a need for some of us to forgive ourselves because we have been harboring unforgiveness towards ourselves. Church, you need to know, and you know this, and I tell you this all the time, but I do not bring any of these words to you absent the process for myself. The Lord always introduces these words of revelation and knowledge and wisdom. This word of God that I'm bringing to you this morning, it has to take place in me first. Otherwise, I'm just a hypocrite with a microphone. It has to take place in me first. And I'm telling you, this forgiveness journey, it's not fun. I've not, I've not enjoyed it up to this point because what, what's happening is the Lord is bringing up a lot of moments in my story that I had forgotten about on purpose where I have carried unforgiveness since that day. And I'm having to forgive people, people I didn't even know I needed to forgive. And I'm looking at it and now what happens when you begin to look at those moments? Old hurt, it's right back in front of you. And so this has been a journey for me. And in this process, what I recognize is that I also harbored so much anger and hatred towards myself because unforgiveness was allowed to grow for far too long. And that's what it turns into. It turns into bitterness, turmoil, anger, 
and hatred. It turns into these things towards others and towards yourself. Silly things, because I lived for too long with this idea that I should be perfect. And it hasn't worked out for me yet. The Lord has taught me that it's okay to not be perfect. But for a long time, for most of my life, I lived with the standard over myself that you must be perfect. And every time I realized I wasn't, I, I was angry at me. I, I would almost hate me because I wasn't perfect, right? And so I've been going through this journey as well. And so there are so many who live with such frustration and unforgiveness towards themselves, feeling like a failure and speaking over themselves as failures and as a screw-up. We speak, we talk to ourselves in such horrible, horrible ways. If I, if I were to say that for the rest of this week, everything that you think about yourself will be broadcasted to the world around you, how many of us would be like, I'm not going outside? Right? I'm not, nope, nope, I'm going into a padded cell, dark room, you can't come in. Right? Because there are so many of us that are in a habit of speaking ill over us. Even in a moment where you make a silly mistake, ah, you idiot. It's like, that's a lie that you just spoke over yourself. And it was casual and you moved right by it, but you just built a stone. You just started laying foundation over a, for a lie to be built up and set up over you. Right? We've got to cut that out. Amen? Because I cannot give away what I have not received for myself. And if I'm speaking ill of myself, how well am I going to speak? Uh, how, how good of a job will I be able to speak in kindness and life towards others? I'll do a terrible job. Terrible job. Because I can't even do it towards myself. But the Lord loves me. Right? And he sees me through the blood of Jesus. Right? Amen? And he sees you as well. So... Uh, as we go through this service, I just pray that you would forgive yourself for any moments that you've been holding against yourself and that we would be a house where we speak kindly of ourselves. We, it's, it, this sounds like a backwards thing, but this is a kingdom thing. We should love who we are. You should love who the Lord has made you to be because you are the one and only. You'll never exist again for all of eternity. You're it. And God saw fit to release you upon this earth. Love who he's made you to be. Because you are profound and just simply by your existence. Amen? The blood of Jesus has been shed for us and covers us now. In spite of our failures, his goodness is still for you and will always be for you. So let's let go of the anger. Let's let go of the hate. It belongs to Jesus. He paid a price for all that stuff so that we wouldn't have to carry it. Amen? He has forgiven you, so forgive yourself. His goodness is for all of us. Step into it. Receive what He has presented to you. We have used this word receive a lot lately. We've been talking about it. We've used this word a lot for a lot of years um, because it's an, it's an important thing that we receive everything that He is pouring out for it is setting us up for success in the next season. Because again, I cannot give away what I have not received. And we are meant to be vessels. We are meant to be conduits of the river of life that will flow into us and immediately flow out into those around us. But I can't give it away if I have not first received it for myself, right? It sounds selfish, but you must receive what the Lord has spoken over you before you can release that truth in life over those around you. And it is setting us up for success in the next season. And in thinking on this, the Lord just brought me uh, further in information and, and, and further revelation. 
typically when we talk about receiving. We go to thinking it's because we are not receiving what he is saying. If, I, if I'm up here telling you that we must receive, we immediately go to this place of, oh, I've not received that yet. I've not received that yet. But he keeps telling me, and I keep standing in agreement, but I've, how am I not receiving that yet? There was a disconnect for me in this conversation I was having with the Lord because we talk about receiving. It's like, no, I, I believe in that. How, how can I believe in it? How can I say yes to it? How can I desire to step into it and still not be receiving? And the Lord uh, just continued to show me things about myself that were hard to see, um, but they're profound. And this is true, but it's not the full picture that sometimes, sometimes we come to this place and we're just simply not receiving what the Lord has for us. Just plain and simple. We've got our own beliefs that we've got we've to get over. Things that we have to move past before we can receive it, like forgiving. Forgiving those around us and forgiving ourselves. We've got we've to step into that before we can receive what's next, right? It's a building block. We have to do this. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In John three sixteen, we all know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I know you've already known this, but our belief is tied to our ability to receive. Hear this first. Our belief is tied to our ability to receive. If I don't believe it, I won't receive it, right? It is, it is the key that opens to the, the door to our ability to receive. So the question then becomes, instead of are we receiving, the question has to become, what do you believe then? If you feel like you're having a hard time receiving what the Lord is saying, don't start by trying to figure out why I'm not receiving it. Take a step back and, and begin to ask yourself, what do I truly believe about myself, about the world around me, about what the Lord is speaking? And that, that's a massive question. And we don't have the time today to tackle all of that, but God being rich in mercy and love has giving us, is giving us today a starting point. Amen? Amen. This is a realigning morning. This is a big, big, big morning. It was, it was big for me. It was profound for me. I remember a moment in Randy's office, and so many of you that were here when Randy was, was preaching, so many of you have had similar moments in his office where he would say something to you, and just all of a sudden your world crumbled around you. I, I remember very specifically, he called me into his office, like I was going to the principal's office. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do now? And I walk in there and sits me down and he says, I just have to tell you something. It's like, all right. And he tells me something. It's a compliment. But the, the, it was a word from the Lord. And the second he spoke it, I mean, I wept for like an hour. Like I almost felt like Randy should probably leave and just come back because I'm going to be a minute. Like it just, it crushed me. It crumbled me in a, in a beautiful and amazing way. It destroyed so much that was unhealthy in me. And I didn't understand it in that moment, why it was so profound until this week. I did not understand it. And I had a hard time receiving it, the word that he spoke. And I could not wrap my mind around why I was having such difficulty with this word until this week. We're going to look, if you'll turn with me now to Romans 8, 
And we're going to read this whole passage. We've read this passage before. This is such a profound passage of identity. It is, it's got the gospel within it, and it speaks of who you are, who I am, who we are in Jesus, who we are in the presence of God, what we're meant to do here on this earth. It speaks of our power, we're, and we're going to read the whole thing. We're going to read the entirety of, of Romans 8, and we're going to do it twice. The first time, though, we're going to read it in this state that we're currently in without the revelation, then the next time we're going to read it after the Lord releases the revelation in this room. Sound good? Amen. Okay. So, Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. But sending his own son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider that suffering of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words." 
And he who, searches the, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, this is identity. Your belief of this will impact your ability to receive from Him. If there is anything within this that you do not believe in, it will affect your ability to receive from the one who wrote it and spoke it. I have a favorite saying. And this is where the Lord got heavy with me this week. He, he stopped dealing gently with me. Um, he, he was like a dad that just in a moment, it was like, enough is enough. We're dealing with it now, and we're not going to deal with it anymore. It's going to be dealt with right now. So it was, it was, it was pretty intense for me this week. But I have, I have, a, I have a favorite saying. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a mantra for me um, most of my life. Um, and many of you know this. Uh, a jack of all trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. I love that. And the Lord brought this saying to my mind this week and taught me something about myself. Again, it was hard to see. Because up until this week, when I thought about this saying, which is a lot, basically anytime I'm doing a task, anytime I'm learning how to do something new, um, anytime I'm learning a new skill set or, or working on something new that I've never done before, this kind of plays in my mind. And again, it's kind of a foundational saying for me, so I reflect on it often. But you know which part that I reflect on the most? I reflect on the first part. A jack of all trades is a master of none. And then I stopped. And that's what I would repeat over myself. And that's what I would think. And that's what I would speak. And that's what I would believe. And the main part that would stick out is a master of none. And I would believe about, Parker, you are a master of nothing. And what does that roughly translate to? You suck at everything. It's not even you're not good at it. It's just like you are terrible. Quit now. And do everybody a favor. That's, what, that's how I would live as I'm trying to learn how to do something new. How much fun was that? 
It's not fun. And it resulted in a lot of frustration, a lot of anger, a lot of throwing things. Um, But that's what I chose to believe. It was a choice. It says, set your minds on the things of the Spirit. What does that word set imply? That it is your choice to set your minds on the things of God or set your minds on the things that are hostile towards God. It is your choice. We live too often with this understanding of things just happen to you. This happened to you. That person made you angry. No one can make you angry. You choose that emotion because no one controls me. I choose to allow actions to provoke a certain emotional response, right? It is a choice. The Lord has said this. The Lord has taught us this. But that is what I chose to believe. That is what I chose to set my mind on was something that was hostile towards God. I chose to believe that I am less than. So all I received from that quote is that I am a master of none. And what does that translate to in the heart? Again, you're good at nothing. And because my belief is not rooted in truth, what am I more likely to receive? Lies. Things that are also not rooted in truth because my foundational belief about myself is a lie. And so what am I going to receive? I'm going to receive lies. I'm not going to receive what the goodness of God has and what he's speaking. I'm going to receive what everybody else says in response to the goodness of God. The Lord is going to use sundown. He's going to transform sundown. I'm not going to receive that. I'm going to receive those that say sundown is dead. There's no hope here. Might as well leave. That's going to be really a great look for a leader in this community to believe that there is no hope for this community. Right? That's great. And guess what? That spreads just like hope does. It spreads all the same. Our belief. People of God, the question that I have for you this morning, in this work of restoration that the Lord is continuing to do, what do you believe? What do you believe about yourself? Because that will determine what you receive. That will determine what you receive. Your belief. And before you can receive anything for this community, you've got to first be able to receive truth about yourself individually before you can believe anything for this group collectively. You hear what I'm saying? Anything you desire to see corporately must first happen where? Individually. If I want to see it break out in this community, where does it first need to break out in? It needs to break out in me and my heart. And it needs to become the place in which I am anchored. Again, set your minds on the things of the Spirit. So I have to every day consciously make the choice to set my mind on the things of God, not the things that are hostile towards Him. And a lie about yourself that says you are less than or that the Lord isn't going to use you or this word that He's spoken like, hey, I have this task for you. And you're like, no, no, there's probably somebody better to step into that position. I probably shouldn't do it. That is a lie and that is hostile towards the Lord. It's not just a lie. It is hostility towards God. That changes it a little bit, doesn't it? That adds a little weight to it. When all of a sudden you, it's not a lie. Oh, poor, poor me. I'm just believing this poor, pitiful thing. No, you are aligning yourself with a camp that seeks to destroy the kingdom of heaven. That changes it a little bit, right? There's some weight to it now. There's some gravity that's taken over and it feels heavy. So we're going to take a moment to reset our beliefs 
about who we are. We're going to lay down that which is not of God. And in this time, I would just ask that you would just receive, that you would, you would step into this place to change your beliefs. Because I'm going to read Romans 8 again. But I would ask for you to step into this place where you believe everything that I'm about to read to you. These are not words from Parker. This is the holy word of God, spoken and written by the Spirit of God. I had no part in this. So receive it. Receive it. Believe it first, that this is true about you, just as much as it was true about the the Roman church when it was written. It is true for you as well because you are a child of God. He's not speaking to a single city. He's speaking to the children of God. This is revelation from the Spirit of God. This is true about me and this is true about you. So as we read this, make the conscious choice to believe it. And not just today, but tomorrow as well. And the next, and the next, and the next. Choose to believe what the Lord is speaking over you this morning. Because in that place, you will be able to receive what he has for you next. And that is what this city needs. What comes next. Amen? Amen. Okay. Whatever position you need to take to receive what the Lord is going to speak over you, take it now. And believe what is read over you this morning. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has not done what the law weakened by flesh could not do. For God has done again what the law weakened by flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the, to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to the God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not of the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, who can be against you? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The worst thing this world can do to you is kill you. And even in that, you are more than a conqueror. What is there to fear? Believe it and step into it because the Lord is doing a new thing and you are a part of it. But you must believe that you are a part of it and you must receive it and then step into it. You are more than a conqueror. You are God's elect. Believe it. And from this day forward, believe nothing but it. Do not return to the dead things. Leave them where they belong, in the grave. Christ Jesus destroyed these things that you would never have to carry them a day in your life. Let them lay where they're meant to lay. You are a new creation. A new thing. When the Lord says, behold, I am doing a new thing in your midst, do you not perceive it? You know who he's talking about? He's talking about you too. He is doing a new thing in you. Will you not perceive it? He is doing a new thing in and through you in your midst. Recognize it. Believe it and step into it in Jesus' name. We've got good things coming, church. 
good things. And what of this sounded like, I don't know if I want to believe that that sounds like not very much fun. No, this is an amazing thing that we have been invited to believe. That's the thing. You've been invited to believe it. He's not going to command you to believe it. He's inviting us into this, to believe this about ourselves. That we could then, from that place, with a correct belief about who I am, who you are, receive what the Lord is going to do through us, this church, this house, this people in Sundown, Texas. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.